Amber Brown, podcaster in the accounting, finance, and fintech space. Our flagship show, Accounting Influencers, is now one of the world's leading podcasts in this genre and has a number of spin off shows over the years. This particular show is now focusing on talent, which, let's face it, is one of the biggest challenges for the accounting world at the moment. And the format stays the same. I interview the experts, the influencers, and the leaders in many different aspects of culture, talent employer brand succession, talent attraction, retention, soft skills, accounting credentials, qualifications, leadership, mental well-being, the brand of the profession, employee value propositions, employee engagement, increasing capacity and headcount in accounting firms, career development, and the usual HR, learning development, DEI, the great resignation, a ton of other talent-related issues in accounting. And whether you're hiring or being hired, happy where you are or considering a move, leading or following, employed or self-employed, totally skilled up and super employable or needing to refresh your skills, sharpen your personal brand. This is the perfect podcast for you accounting, finance and tech professionals to stay competitive, relevant and informed about all things talent in accounting. So let's get moving with today's show. Influencers Broadcast Network presents Influencers in Accounting with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Brought to you by Advanced Track. Welcome to our Influencers in Accounting podcast. And me, Rob Brown. I am on the road and I'm in North Carolina in Charlotte. And I'm thrilled to have with me today as part of our, of our Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network is Craig Field. Hello, Tisa. Hey, how are you? We're doing splendid. Craig, many people listening, and we have thousands of listeners all over the world, may not have come across you. So just tell us briefly about you, your firm, and your world. Okay, where to start? Um, well, <laughs> Why don't we sip our coffees here in a coffee <laughs> shop here in North Carolina? Yeah, so um, I'm originally born in Southern Africa, moved to the States 2008, where I had to re-qualify as a, an accountant. So I got my CPA in 2015, was working for a CPA firm based out of Michigan, ran the Charlotte office for them, Charlotte, North Carolina. 2018, went on my own. 2020, purchased a firm called Ryan and Gear. And so our firm is now Ryan Gear Field and Roads. And it's three partners, 10 staff, and um, yeah, we do CPA, tax, and accounting services. How would you describe the accounting profession at the moment, Craig? What kind of shape do you feel it's in? Uh, you can speak internationally or just US. Well, the US CPA, I would think, is pretty much a tax-focused profession. Right. That's not exclusive. In the profession, in public accounting, the CPAs tend to be tax-focused. Um, so that's that's a lot of what drives us. Um, there are other players in in tax preparation, so we're not the only ones. You don't have to be regulated to be a tax preparer. And there's always going to be tax, so accountants will that, always be that's involved, right. But And people want peace of mind, and you know, the, the government's just come out with this announcement that they're going to employ 87,000 new IRS agents in the next 10 years. So a lot of taxpayers are, are anxious, they want peace of mind, and the top qualification for tax preparation is CPA firms. And people say compliance is dead, but tax isn't going away anytime soon. Tax is isn't going away, and you know, we've got a recession coming. That's one area I feel a little bit of confidence in. We're probably not going to suffer. We'll probably actually do better in times of recession. It's a bit like bars as well. You know? 
when you know when things are tough, people go drinking, and when things are good, they go drinking. But when people things are tough, they're going to come and get tax returns done because they want to get them refunds. They want to reduce the amount of tax they owe. They don't want to get audited. So I think we'll be fine in a recession coming up. How have accountants coped with the pandemic as a breed? Can only speak for ourselves. And, yeah, in a small firm like we are, it was a bit of a frustration more than anything. Just the biggest challenges we had were from the government's reaction to it. How do you mean? Well, they changed the deadlines. So, right. so suddenly now you had to handle all these different deadlines. They had all these grants and stimulus checks. Mm. I spent most, a lot of my time being bookkeeper for the IRS, <laughs> telling clients, oh, you didn't get this because you got paid that. and. Yeah, you owed the government for this, but you didn't owe them for that. And I had someone this morning whose refund was different because the amount they got paid was not what they told us they got paid. It's not technical tax stuff. It's just money in, money out, bookkeeping. So that's been frustrating. The different deadlines and, of course, you give somebody two more months to file their tax return. It doesn't mean that they're going to bring it in the same time as last year. They're going to procrastinate another two months. Have you seen an increased demand for advisory services beyond compliance as business owners try to navigate the pandemic, supply chains, inventory, growth? I'm not sure that that affects our clients. Bear in mind, we, our clients are small, you know, single business, self-employed businesses. We do have some bigger ones. Uh, but what I have seen consulting work come in is all these, all these grants again. It's government consulting for credits and grants and R&D yeah, stuff, perhaps. Yeah, there's, there's some R&D, but I mean, the big thing is there were a couple of programs to help people through COVID. And it was basically free money. But to qualify, you had to go through certain regulatory hoops. Yeah, and, and we did that. We would help people complete the form to get forgiveness of loans and help complete the forms to get advances from the IRS and things like that. So there is that consulting, and it's pretty big money. There's a lot of consolidation going on right now in the accounting profession, buying and selling firms and private equity money is coming in. Talk a little bit about what you see happening in that space. I didn't know about private equity money. That's interesting that you mentioned that. But I know there's a firm, used to be a member of Russell Bedford, which recently I, I learned has sold. I met the owner last December at our North America conference. Super guy, him and his wife run the practice. And uh, so I know the kind of money he was talking, he was being offered. And he said there were several suitors. I think he had three or four people interested in buying his practice. So it's definitely out there. I follow the businesses for sale here because I'm looking for a practice to buy. And you, you can't find them. There's a, there's a practice that came, came available for sale in Charlotte last week. And that's probably the first one I've seen in three or four months. Supply of practices for sale is small and there's a big demand. It's interesting, we hear different sides of the story depending on where we are with our podcast. But we do know that there's a generation of accounting firm owners that are baby boomers, they're retiring, they're moving on, they're wanting to sell up. Yep. Uh, people coming through, uh, wanting to take over the firm. Private equity money, like I said, perhaps looking at, they're certainly looking at fintech and getting involved in that side of things. So these firms should be for sale, wanting to be moved on. I wonder, in your view, you've bought a firm, you've sold things. What makes a good buy when you're looking for an accounting firm? Client retention, that's your biggest thing. That's the biggest metric. That's, 
you know, you've got to somehow forecast that. I, I'm no expert, so, but the one I looked at, that I was telling you about just a moment ago, relatively small practice, 270,000 in, in revenue, one, one CPA and a staff member. But the staff member has retired in uh, August this year, just recently, and the CPA, the owner, is retiring, exactly the scenario you're yeah. talking about. And I'm looking at this and thinking, how am I going to keep those clients? I mean, how am I going to keep them? Because think, you bring in that book of business, you've yeah. got to service that, haven't you? Yeah, it? so I could keep their location. The office that he's working from is small and relatively inexpensive. But now I've got to have two locations. So I turned him down. I said, it's probably not the right fit. Because for me, the bigger challenge is that I need competent individuals that can provide the level of service to my clients that I want. And it's just difficult to find those people. That is a crucial point. The talent pool we know is dwindling. Yeah. Not enough accountants out there. We talked about the complexities of the tax and the regulations, so we're going to need more experts yeah. and advisors to navigate through that. Yeah. How attractive do you feel accounting is as a career choice for young people at the moment? You've been in this game a while. I mean, aside from the fact that it's hourly based, I mean, <laughs> still. If, if, yeah, it's still is an hourly based business. But as far as the hourly based businesses go, I think it's great. It's repeat revenue. Uh, you get to know your clients, and over time you can build a portfolio, book a business of people that you know and know you, and, and it's very it's very rewarding. I had a client in this morning. They needed advice on a property that they own in another city, and whether they should rent it or not. Um, it's interesting work. It is. I find it interesting. I feel like I'm adding value, I'm really helping them. It's 30 minutes. I mean, it's and for me, it's like falling off a log. I, I know what to do, but. For them, there's great value in it, and I, I get a kick out of being able to do that. So anyone coming into the profession can do that, and it's a relatively easy profession to get into. Yeah, you've got to study. I mean, you you got to work hard. The CPA is not an easy exam, and I've written it here and overseas. Yeah, it's not easy, but you can do it. Just a bit of effort, you can do it, and you can build up a nice portfolio of clients that won't go anywhere, and you've got them for life. There's a perception with some younger people that. Uh career progression for accountants is spend your valuable time doing your qualifications, work really hard and then get chained to a desk for 10 to 15 years doing boring, complicated tax work in the hope of making partner and, and beyond. But the career path is so much more varied than that, isn't it? Yeah, Give I them mean, some hope out there, Craig. Well, I, I mean, I was in, I was, I was uh, at Coopers and Library and PwC now, yeah. I mean, that's where I started. And I did, I got bored with auditing. I mean, that's what I did yeah. overseas. I did audits a lot and I got bored with it. But the reality is I know it well. And even to this day, when I get presented with a set of financial statements or a balance sheet, I get a kick out of doing that. I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy balance sheets. It's the backbone of your profession. It is. And so as I, I say, we do a lot of tax, but I tend to focus more on the sort of planning side of it. So tax planning, financial planning, business planning. And you could do that as a CPA. You have an integrate, integrate knowledge of, of your clients. If you understand a balance sheet, you probably know more about that business than most people do. And I think people need to look at it that way. I mean, if, if you like auditing and you, and you want to do the checking and ticking and bashing, then that's great. But if you don't, there's great opportunity for advisory work. Yeah. Business owners don't understand balance sheets. They don't understand finance. Whereas CPAs, it's easy. You can do it on your own. You don't have to be a partner in a big firm. And there are many new firms starting up actually with accountants. We hear about the great resignation, recalibrating of lives. I don't want to do this way anymore. I don't want to be employed. I want to sail my own yeah. ship and be... Those are entrepreneurial accountants, aren't they? 
they are they, yeah, they're people who will pick up a book of business, yeah, and, and they'll make a living out of it, and they'll work their own hours. And it's a very comfortable way of doing things. But for me, it was frustrating. I mean, I did that. I went on my own, and I made enough to live off. But you very quickly, if you're entrepreneurial, you're picking up new clients all the time. So you've got a decision to make. Do you say, no, I'm not going to take you on as a client, and turn down the sale, or do you start structuring your business to handle the additional work? Which and means taking on more people. Taking on more people. So the minute you take them on, it's not, it's not a proportional relationship. Because you take them on, you've got less time. Now you've got to manage those people and service your client. Yeah, and train them and so, imbue your culture in them. And yeah, so suddenly now you get this exponential thing going that I'm just going to get this extra resource to help me complete the work. Mm. Oh, hang on, I can't get the work done that I was getting done, so I've got to get an extra resource and I've got two people to manage. Mm. So it becomes a sort of a, a treadmill. Yeah. And you've admitted you're struggling with the talent conundrum at the moment, as many accounting firm owners are, big and small. Have you learnt anything along the way of what makes an accounting firm more attractive to talent than others? I don't know if I'm right or not, but I, I think it's freedom. The last firm that I worked with had a great staff complement, a lot of CPAs, and the senior partner there, his view was freedom. You just come and go as you want, you have your assigned duties, and you, you do them. So it's, it's almost working for yourself, but with the comfort of being with, in, a, in a family, in a network. In a group, so that's what the culture is that we're trying to develop. We've got young people coming through. We're trying to train them. I've got some senior, experienced tax preparers, and we're trying to create an environment where you can come and go as you want. I'm not clock watching. I'm not going to check what time you got in or go or leave. But I'm going to give you a job to complete by a certain time, and, if, and all I expect is that you do that. Easier said than done. There's a lot of trust involved in that, isn't there? Yes. There needs to be some accountability, some monitoring. How do you find it as well in the hybrid world that we live in where not everyone's in the office, a lot of people are working from home. It's hard to drive culture and get alongside your younger people to train them up if they're not actually physically in a room with you looking over your shoulder. Yeah, I'm not sure you can do it, to be honest. We've fully set up. I'm fairly IT or tech-focused. I'm as I was showing you earlier, I've got my, all my ERP on my, on my, my phone. Mobile yeah, I, I can answer emails here, I can, I can start orders, I can check on status of orders, I can check clients' tax returns right on my phone. So anyone can do that. And my firm is fully set up so that if you want to work from home, you just log in through a secure VPN and if you go. I mean, I've got one guy, still wears a tie to work every day. He's <laughs> old school. Yeah, but he's younger. He's, um, he's doing his master's now. Great guy. But he wants to be an office. I've said to him a number of times, you can work from home. No, 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 I want to be in the office. Um, another young lady we've just taken on, she comes in, she wants to be there where she's got a question, she walks down the hall and says, hey, how do I handle this? And, and that then leads to the culture and, and the professionalism. You want, you know, we're in a profession. There's a reason it's called a profession, is that we expect you to be professional. That's the way it was always done, Craig, wasn't it? You learned 78% of what you needed to do for the job on the job. Yeah. Walking down the corridor, chatting to people over the water cooler, how do you do yeah. this? Looking over people's shoulders, yeah. appear over the cubicle wall, asking yeah. questions all the time, which you can't do when you're sat at your kitchen table working from home or your home office. You can't do it as easily. Yeah, sure, you can. I mean, I have conversations when I'm working from home where a staff member will have an issue or something send them a chat message with a video, you know, Google Meet. They'll join up, 
and instantaneous. We're right there and share screens and we're going. So you can do that, but I think it's, it's still stilted. It's still not a one-on-one. There's stuff that goes on off screen that you can't see and you can't tell. And talking about peering over the garden wall, you're a member of Russell Bedford International. Stephen Hamlet is a friend of the show. He's been interviewed a few times with us. How important is it for you to be part of something bigger than yourself so that you've got people you can turn to as a firm well, Russell Bedford has a couple of benefits to us. One is certainly that, that you've got this collegiate group out there that you can, I mean, even if you don't ask them for advice, just referring work and getting feedback and, you know, from Stephen and Deanna and folk around the country. It's just great to know they're there. You yeah. know? And we did have a situation with Texas. A client of ours had an operation in Texas and we needed help. And he was able to help us out. We had a foreign tax situation. Happens that that same office specializes in foreign tax, so we could reach out to him for that. Um, sometimes, you know, we get inquiries about larger work that we can handle. Atlanta's four hours drive from us, yeah. and there's a big office there. I can just call Stephen and you know, they can do the work. So that's great. The other thing for me is being from outside the US, I realize that, you know, there's a lot of opportunity overseas. A lot of CPAs, US CPAs, look at Russell Bedford and say, what am I going to get out of it? And my attitude is, how am I going to use Russell Bay to help my clients grow? I mean, I've got a client in uh, Florida who just loves the idea that I can refer him to someone in, in Calgary, Canada, where we have a, we have a representative there, a network member there. And I can say, look, you need advice on payroll in Canada? You want to employ a guy there? Talk to so-and-so, and he'll tell you how the Canadian law works and everything. It's sorted. I know I've given good advice. He's going to stay with me as a client. My attitude is, you're not going to get anything out of Russell Bedford unless you work it and use it. We're a very cosmopolitan city here in Charlotte. The pandemic has accelerated. We are an international planet. People are working across countries, cultures and borders. Business is no longer confined to the community or the high street or the corridors that you once moved in. So everyone's having global conversations. And if you can't plug into a network of trusted providers and advisors, then you're letting your clients down. Now, you've been a US citizen for, what, almost 15 years now, but you came from... A citizen for since 2013, so okay. that's seven years. Yeah, and, and then, then your green card and yeah. everything else we were talking about. Can you make any comparisons between accountants, CPAs, chartered accountants, the different designations and, and yeah. the roles there in different yeah. countries? It's interesting, I was a South African chartered accountant. Yes. Chartered accountant is very much financial accounting. So, if you're a public company, you need to get your annual report out. You want a chartered accountant. Yes. Not to say CPAs can't do that, they're perfectly capable, but the CPA is a much broader qualification. So, there's a strong emphasis on management accounting, budgeting, management reporting, and obviously the tax focus. Uh, not to say that overseas chartered accounts do tax as well, but um, it tends to be more of a financial accounting focus in my experience for chartered accountants than for CPAs. We've seen an increased influence of the vendors in the accounting space. We often ask our guests, who do you feel has the ear of the accountant? The vendors are pushing their agenda, they've got software and tech to sell. Uh, they're also trying to shape the accounting profession with automation and the way things are done. Uh, do you talk much to vendors? Do you get a, a vibe and a feel and a steer from them about where the profession is going? I get lots of spam calls from, <laughs> from vendors. Oh my goodness. Uh, they, some of them are really tenacious. Look, I, I don't know about you know, pressure from vendors. I mean, I, I think there certainly is a huge tech focus. Yes. 
The game are, has changed, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I asked the question the other day in Russell Bedford at our North America catch-up meeting. What do we use for electronically communicating with clients? Because yes. I've bought into a practice that's 30 years old. They were still mailing out tax returns, you know, an inch thick yep. to all their clients. And we still do. We have a lot of older clients who are just not tech savvy or not interested in getting into it. So yeah, we do, we mail them out or we haven't picked up or whatever. So we still use a lot of paper, but more and more, our clients are driving us to say, I want an organizer, a tax organizer that's electronic. So I can populate it on screen and send it to you. And I want to send it securely. So when I've completed the tax return, I don't want to have to print this thing. There might be a change. I mean, it's a 50 page document. I do it all. And then you told me, oh, but uh, you haven't got such and such one number. I would reprint the whole thing. It's time consuming, it's wasteful. So if I can do that electronically, securely, I but ask. That's where the tech and the vendors are coming into their own because they've given us the capacity Absolutely. to do it. Absolutely, and it's there, it's there now. You can do, the software I have allows me to, to create a portal for my client. And in that portal, they can upload documents, they can check the status of work that's ongoing. They can see if there's additional documents required and they can upload them securely from their own computer, on their phone even. They can pay their bills, very important and they can download their final copies. The only thing I lack at this stage and then my next step in the, in the IT side is to give them the facility to sign, e-sign. But everything else is there. There's products that other the other Russell Bed firms use that offer that as well, but very expensive. Sure. Not cheap at all. And you're buying firms, but you're also going to be in the selling market yourself at some point down the line. Yeah. So you'll be looking for a buyer yourself. Clearly, you're digitizing your firm and moving it forward, and maybe even moving those clients on that are still back in the paper age and signing checks and yeah. on Excel spreadsheets and shoeboxes and everything else. What are you doing to make your firm a more attractive proposition to potential buyers? My, my strategy is sound. I have a I have a plan, which is very much what you say. It's a it's a digitized firm. I don't want to be a virtual practice. A lot of virtual CPA practices for sale. Okay. I'm not sure why I, I go with that. I, I still think there's a role for the relationship. Uh, so I, I still think you need, you get a lot of, uh, in, in the US, you know, you've got people like H&R Block and, that, and Jackson Hewitt and these tax preparing firms. There's zero loyalty there. You go in, get your tax return done, and you walk out. And I mean, I used to work for one of those, so I know what it's like. And it's very efficient and effective, and they make a ton of money. But they employ people and paying them minimum wage. Um, yeah, and they really don't take much time to go through yourself. So I think there is a role for a CPA who's got a personality, they're able to, to relate to their clients and their clients are able to relate to them. A good retention of those clients. And then you can retain them and you can give them value-added advice. You can earn a slightly higher fee as a result of that. You can give them peace of mind. But at the same time, by using tech, you can move them forward into a more cost-effective situation if you're clever with your tech. So you kind of get the, the best of both worlds. You're not just a virtual um, sign on the door that pulls in the return and sends it off. It's, we'll never move away from wanting to shake somebody's hand, seeing the whites of their eyes, yeah. being in the same room as them, that intimacy. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's obviously a demand for that, get you know, one and done. I mean, clearly a lot of people are just getting their returns done and sending them, sending them in. Well, we've heard stories, Craig, about business owners employing not accountants and CPAs, but software accredited people that have no accounting qualification, but they know the software, the zero, the sales, the into and QuickBooks, whatever it is, yeah. 
they know the practice management software, so they are just employing them to do the compliance work and the tax work and almost cutting out the account. QuickBooks is big at that, you know, a lot of the tax prep software does do its, its own work. Yeah. And we rely on it, I mean, I rely on it, and I won't lie that we do rely on our software catching a lot of the, the little tricks, you know, there are a lot of formulas in there that, mm. that calculate stuff for you. But at the end of the day, there's no substitute for understanding what a, what a 1040 tax return looks like, what should be there and what shouldn't be there, particularly with businesses. Yeah. You know, you've got, you've got a balance sheet in your tax return. That business, that balance sheet should tell you something if you're an experienced accountant. If you're a data, data entry person, it's going to be meaningless to you. This is great stuff, Craig. A couple more questions. And it's wonderful to hear it in an authentic way from somebody that's doing it on the trenches in a small firm, trying to make it work, serve the business community. If you were to get your crystal ball out, difficult to predict what's coming up and best practice last week is not best practice this week as things are changing so fast. But as far as you can see, what is coming up for accountants like yourself over the next few years? More of the tech, more of the same, I think. I mean, the government is its own beast, you know. <laughs> We've now got, this morning was announced that they're going to grant student loan waivers. And some people get $20,000 off their student loans, others get $10,000 off. And it's all based on an income level of 150,000. So the minute I hear that, I think, okay, so how is the government going to monitor this? Probably through the tax return, which means suddenly we're back in the picture. Mm -hmm. CPAs are going to have to be involved somehow in confirming or auditing for the, for the government that the person who got that that credit was earning less than 150,000. That's what we've had the last couple of years with all these grants and stimulus checks. And we have things in the UK like making tax digital, yeah, uh, which is it's going to be everywhere before too long, isn't it? Well, I, I've often thought that one of the biggest risks to the profession is government takes over tax money. Because in the US now, you, your um, income is pretty much reported. You know, your, your annual earnings, wages are reported. Uh, with the withholding taxes, your um, investment income is reported with the costs, um, and then your major deductions, like your we get a deduction for mortgage interest, so yeah, that's reported. So the IRS knows all this stuff. It's really not difficult for them to, to produce, and they do produce a tax return. So what role do we have if the IRS starts turning our tax returns and sends you a letter in the middle of February and says? Yeah, here's your tax return for 2021. Please sign if you agree, um, or you know, file your own return. What's stopping government doing that? Well, I think uh, I still think there's a huge credibility gap because if I'm a taxpayer and I get a letter from government telling them I'm, telling me how much I owe them, I'm going to go and find a CPA. Yes, you should do. You've got any sense? Yeah, check this for me. I'm not sure this is. I'm not going to believe these guys. And there isn't much evidence that the government can handle the workload currently, let alone having to manage all of those tax returns. Well, you well. see, with the digitization, a lot of it's just generated out of the computers. Mm. But then, yeah, anything that comes out of a computer is is going to have bugs in it. There's so many different inputs and so many vari variations of what can happen. Well, watch out for that with the government. Final question, Craig. What advice would you give to accountants out there, particularly accountant firm owners like yourself, that want to stay competitive, want to stay relevant, want to stay ahead of things, want to keep on giving great client experience and, and build something significant? You've got to 
you've got to obviously you've got to price yourself correctly and you've got to keep in touch with your clients you've got to keep touching them some way you make sure that they know you're there and that you're doing the best thing you can for them the workload you have to deal with as a CPA can be can be daunting you know 100 emails a day with little questions about this and that and the next thing you've got to find a way to handle that tax season, busy season's not getting any shorter, is it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's, you know, it gets more complex. You know, with all these new laws that they put in every year. You're a fan of upskilling, re-education, learning new knowledge, learning new skills? You have to, all the time. You've got to keep learning and you've got to teach other people. So we've got junior staff coming in, we've got to teach them. And you've got to teach yourself. You've got to learn yourself all the time, keep ahead of the curve. Well, Crookfield, that's been inspiring. Thanks so much for your candor and your insights today. Oh, you're welcome. Pleasure to meet Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Influencers in Accounting. Brought to you by Advanced Track. Your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Thank you for listening to this new talent in accounting podcast this is a relatively new show but already has over a thousand listeners so we appreciate you tuning in and sharing the show with your connections if you have a potentially good guest you'd like to see on the show with some great insights on talent reach out to me on linkedin with a message and we'll follow them up and as we build this show up we're looking for a couple of sponsors for whom talent and the accounting finance space is important Loads of great opportunities to get your brand out there and show your key messages and even get some of your own guests on the show. Again, drop me a message on LinkedIn to tee up that conversation. And for great podcast content elsewhere, make sure you subscribe to our main show, Accounting Influencers, goes out every Monday. And join the 40,000 listeners in 150 countries for brilliant interviews with the top leaders, experts, and influencers in the accounting and fintech world. Finally, why don't you join us and our community with some conversations at our next virtual speed networking session. These are now taking place every two months for accounting, finance, and tech professionals. 75 minutes of speed dating, great discussions, raising your personal profile, making new connections. Go to accountinginfluencers.com to register your free place for our next event. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day.